0: Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, in honor of Autism Acceptance Month, we're going to be talking about the crossover between ADHD and autism. You may have noticed that there's a few areas that cross over, and that can get a little confusing for ADHDers. So let's talk about today how the two differ and where they do intersect. But first, don't forget to press that subscribe button so that you don't miss future episodes. And a five-star rating always helps to boost the podcast. And of course, don't forget to check out what else The ADHD Lady has going on on her other social medias under The ADHD Lady or theadhdlady.org for more information on coaching and other resources. But I'm really excited about today's episode, so let's dive in. It's so funny because I realized for today's intro, I went in and out of third person there. So thanks for, for your flexibility, friends. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about ADHD and autism. So first, I just want to reiterate, it is Autism Acceptance Month. And some of you out there might be thinking, uh, wait, isn't it Autism Awareness Month? Isn't that the thing? Don't I light it up blue or something? So those messages are coming from an organization, which I'm not going to call out here on the podcast, but it's one that really, really makes people terrified of autism. They ran an ad back in the early 2000s that literally sounded like it was some sort of horror movie. And the thing that they were describing was autism. And even prior to my own autism diagnosis, I have never had an autistic student that I worked with that I was like, Oh, no! It's autism, the way that this commercial described. So I'm just throwing that out there. But they are where Lighted up Blue and Autism Awareness Month originated. Most of the autistic community prefers wear red instead instead of lighted up blue because blue eliminates the female and non-binary experience from autism, and we're already battling enough stereotypes that we're trying to fight against just to be heard. So, Yeah, we don't need to throw in additional ones. But this other organization is really good at manipulating people. I myself was manipulated into fundraising for this organization because they really made you think that you were doing something so helpful. And most people who do support this organization truly want to be there for the autistic community. Also, as part of my own autism, I'm really gullible because I don't like to lie. So I really, really hope and feel like no one else lies. I know that's not true. I've seen it not be true but I really try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And anyway, we don't need awareness about autism. Plenty of people know what autism is. We need acceptance of autism. There is no cure. It is a neurodevelopmental disorder just like ADHD. It is literally how our brains are formed. The interesting thing is when you have ADHD and autism, two neurodevelopmental disorders working sometimes together, mostly against each other, We're going to talk about that today. So several studies have been done to see what the co-occurrence rates of ADHD and autism are. And overall, it seems to be about 30 to 50 percent. But don't forget that women and people of color have a harder time receiving an autism diagnosis, just like they have a harder time receiving an ADHD diagnosis, because the criteria for both was not written for women or people of color. It was written with little white boys in mind. And because we finally have access to these communities sharing information about their personal experiences, their lived experiences with autism, more people are coming out of the woodwork recognizing that they are autistic. This is also the reason why self-diagnosis has been really prevalent recently, because there is a community sharing. And not just sharing, oh, this is autism, now you have it, ha ha ha. That's not what self-diagnosis is is. It's, oh, here's some things that are autism. Huh, those things sound like me. Huh, I think I could be autistic. Let me do some additional research. When I started talking with my psychologist about autism, I began to do tons of my own research. I have a 13-page Google Doc with all of that research, with all of the examples, with all of the places that I meet criteria. And honestly, that's not even all of the examples. I have an additional notebook that is filled with extra examples that when I'm in the middle of doing something else and I don't have time to pull up the Google Doc, but I'm here sitting at my desk, I just quick pull out that notebook and write it in there. That level of meticulous note-taking is a good indicator that the diagnosis is accurate. But here's the thing. I was diagnosed with ADHD first because ADHD stood out a lot more. And actually, the funny thing is, my ASD keeps a lot of my ADHD in check. And the comorbid experience of the two can interact that way, where you might struggle with some areas, but maybe emotional regulation is actually not that bad because you're also autistic and you have trouble even identifying your emotions, so they don't become as easily dysregulated. Maybe. Or your ADHD might be really impulsive, but autism says, hey, we need to make sure we have some routines, though. That feels better. So maybe you are better at planning and organizing because you have that comorbid experience going on. ADHD and autism can very easily work together where one balances the other out. But then there's also moments where they work against each other and those moments feel awful. (laughs) One of the most familiar experiences I have with this is when it comes to wanting to be spontaneous, which ADHD always wants to do. Always wanna try something new. Always wants to go on a new adventure. But then uh, autism sits back and is like, mm, "No, that that does not that does not sound good. I like to know what's coming. I need a plan. Can we not do that?" And ADHD is over here like, uh, "But no, man, we've been doing like the same thing every day for weeks. We need to do something different." And autism still sits there, cringing like, ah, "I really don't want to." And yes, I have personified ADHD and autism as two little separate people in my brain because that helps me to understand the experience and when they're working together and when they're working against each other and when they are just like their own separate experiences. This is just how I talk about it. I do not think there's actually two little people named ADHD and autism in my brain. I don't think I needed to overexplain explain that to you guys, but just in case, I did. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you for taking that side tangent with me. That was ADHD. The over-explaining piece was autism because I have an inherent need to be understood. Since autism creates communication difficulties and difficulties with other social skills, many autistic people fall into the belief that we are not being heard and understood, which quite literally happens People don't always understand our true meaning because we communicate differently. And this can cause some autistic people to do what I just did, where we feel the need to over-explain why we did something that we did, just so that people understand us. But let's get back to talking about ADHD and autism. So, before 2013, receiving a diagnosis of both ADHD and autism was not written into the DSM. It was only with the DSM 5 that you could actually be diagnosed with both. And according to Chad, more than half of individuals diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder have ADHD, but only about a quarter of children diagnosed with ADHD also have autism. For these particular numbers, I'm not sure who their case studies were, so again, Bear in mind that females and people of color are often not included in this criteria. But let's talk about some of the overlapping difficulties that ADHDers and autistic people have and how to differentiate if that problem is coming from ADHD or autism. First, let's talk about transitions. Transitions are difficult for both ADHDers and autistic people. A transition is when we're shifting from one task or one environment to a new one. The reason this can be such a challenge for ADHDers is because every time we change things up, it's an opportunity for a new distraction. You go into a new room, oh, there's lots of other new shiny things to be distracted by. You start a new task, mm, well, that in-between piece is another opportunity to get distracted and not actually get to the task that you're trying to. On the autism side, difficulty with transitions comes from that need for sameness and routine. We don't like change. Change is very unexpected. We don't always know what's going to be coming with that change. And even if it's transitioning from a task that we know to another task that we know, there is still the concern rooted deep down inside that it's going to be a little different and there might be something unpredictable about it. And also we might just be holding on to that first task where it's like, but I don't want to change into doing something different. Transition tools can be an aid to both ADHD and autistic people. Things like countdown timers. Oh my gosh, I love me some countdown timers. What countdown timers do is it helps you to stay on track with the completion of the task and to wrap things up and have the knowledge of what task is coming next. So I used to be one of those people that set like 50 alarms for the morning for like every five minutes, right? Now I use three alarms because I'm working to my brain. The other alarm system was just because I didn't want to wake up. But now that I have a better understanding of how my brain works and what my ADHD needs and what my ASD needs, countdown timers actually help me get out of bed with only three alarms needing to be set in the morning. So I have my first alarm going off at 730. That's just a regular alarm regular alarm going off on my Google. Now I do set backup alarms for these three times on my phone too, just in case we've had power outages that have thrown my alarm system off. So technically it's not just three, but it's three times. <laughs> but anyway, so first alarm goes off at 7.30. It's just a normal alarm, nothing, nothing crazy. But this first alarm alerts my brain that, hey, just so you know, we're gonna need to get up soon. Then we shift to the second alarm which is 15 minutes later my brain has had that 15 minutes to start kind of waking up and getting itself ready to open my eyes to the world the next alarm goes off at 7:45, and this alarm is with music just so that it's something nice and bright and cheery to start my day that helps adhd feel a lot better about getting out of bed get some good dopamine going, maybe start dancing a little bit. Sometimes it's a song that I really just want to wake up and start singing at the top of my lungs to. That doesn't happen every day, but it's nice when it does. And then the final alarm goes off at 8 a.m. And that is the alarm that says, "Alrighty, let's get out of bed. Now, this whole alarm system has helped my brain be one, prepared to get out of bed, two, excited to get out of bed, and three, It has had the appropriate amount of time to let my body adjust to everything and to move into the next task, which is my morning routine. This system works so well for me. And I don't just use it for my mornings. I use it for my dinner breaks with shorter intervals. So I set about 15 minutes before I need to get back up to my office. I set 10 minutes before I need to get back up to my office and five minutes before. Because what the 15-minute one does is it says, all righty, start wrapping up that dinner. The 10-minute one says, okay, no, seriously, take those last few bites. And the five-minute one says, all right, let's go. Get your butt upstairs. Go to the bathroom. We're done. But again, this helps both parts of my brain. Another thing that can be a similar struggle with both autism and ADHD is sensory issues. Now this was one that confused me for a while. This is one of those things where for quite some time I was like, no, I'm not autistic. Sensory issues are part of ADHD too. And then I did some digging. So yes, you can have some sensory difficulties with ADHD. However, the challenges that they present are different. So one of the primary difficulties that ADHDers have with these different sensory inputs is distractibility. Hmm, notice a trend here. Let's use an itchy tag for example, and then we'll talk about the autistic experience with that itchy tag as well. So the ADHD person is sitting there and they're feeling the itchy tag as they're trying to get an email sent. And the itchy tag just keeps, gosh, just keeps, bothering them itching oh it's so annoying I can't get this email sent I just keep thinking about this itchy tag it just keeps distracting me so much from doing the thing that I need to get done but then for the autistic person that itchy tag experience looks a little bit different inside oh my gosh the tag oh it's stabbing me no no it's 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 really that that feels painful Oh my gosh! Why is a tag on a shirt so painful? Nope, forget it. I I can't. I, I need to get changed. I need to get changed. Oh my gosh! This tag is awful. Ow! So both people had the discomfort. People played by me, Amanda. <laughs> See, I used to do theater. This is this is all natural to me. <laughs> But anyway, both characters, the ADHDer and the autistic person, both were having genuine struggles with this tag and it was keeping them from doing their work, but for different reasons. The first person, the ADHDer was sitting there, the tag was itchy and annoying and it just kept distracting them. But then for the autistic person, the sensory experience of that tag, they weren't even just distracted from their work, they had legitimate pain as a response to that sensory input. And that's the thing, when you are autistic, the sensory input is going to be either hypersensitive for you or hyposensitive, meaning it doesn't feel like there's enough. So for me, actually, I go back and forth because autism is a spectrum. With the way that lights affect me, so the stereotype is that, oh, well, autistic people just don't like bright lights or loud noises, right? that's That's the stereotype. But when we recognize that it is a spectrum and that hyporeactivity to sensory input is also an experience that you can have, you might have the opposite where lights don't feel bright enough, where music needs to be as loud as possible. Me? I'm the one who lights don't feel bright enough. I'm actually recording my podcast. I don't need to see anything other than the bright computer screen in front of me. And I have one of my lights in my office off and it's really bothering me. My eyes feel strained because it doesn't feel bright enough. And there are other autistic people who it it is the opposite. It's that they would love to be in this environment where it's really not that bright right now but that is the number one thing that I can share about autism, is that it is a spectrum and it is going to look different from person to person, just like ADHD. You will find similarities, but that doesn't mean that every single autistic person's experience is the same, just like you will not notice that every ADHD person's experience is the same. And oh my goodness, if you throw ADHD and autism in, not every ADHDer is going to have the same experience either. We need to stop putting neurodivergent people into boxes too. We spend our whole life being tried to fit into a neurotypical box, but then we have these stereotypes wrapped around ADHD and autism, which limit us there too. It's just more societal boxes that our circles don't fit into. And sure, you can cut the circle to fit it into the box, but that's literally taking chunks of you away. Why can't we just make the box bigger so that there's room for everyone? That is a battle for another day's podcast. And <laughs> I have lots of things to say about that. And that is really where I hope to continue to go with my advocacy, is fighting for neurodivergent people to feel comfortable being authentically them. And also for neurotypicals to feel comfortable being themselves too. Because let's face it, with socially prescribed perfectionism, we're all constantly hiding parts of ourselves, whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical. Wouldn't it be great if we could build a world where we can just be who we are? Where we can just respect each other and be kind to one another and not hate each other? We can't afford any more hate in this world. And that's where the idea of acceptance comes in. We don't need more awareness of autism. People are aware that autism exists. What autistic people need is to be accepted. And so do ADHDers. All right, and now to wrap things up, let's talk about social skills and ADHD and autism, the comparisons and the overlap. So that society piece is a big part of the overlap in the struggles with social skills that ADHDers and autistic people have. Society has very high expectations, and they are very difficult for neurodivergent people to meet. There are things that are just not easy for us. But then we get to social cues. So for the ADHD person, they might miss social cues, but the reason, again, distractibility, The reason that ADHDers miss social cues is because they're either in the middle of an excited tangent and they're just going on and on about that piece of art on the wall and they're like, oh my gosh, did you see the colors? Did you know that the artist did this? I want to go see their next exhibit. I want to see them at this other museum. And they're continuing to go on and on and the person in front of them is sitting there rolling their eyes, giving a piece of body language to indicate that they have had enough of this hour-long tangent. But the ADHD person is sitting there not noticing. They're missing the social cue. But they're missing the cue because they are so hyper fixated and distracted from the cue. They're not paying attention to the person they're talking to. They're paying attention to the excitement that they have boiling up inside of them. Now, if we were to place that ADHD or replace them with the autistic person, and that other person, they're, they're having a conversation and maybe they're talking about their special interest and the person that they're communicating with rolls their eyes. The autistic person is likely to not understand what just happened. They may not recognize that they were talking for an extended period of time and then that would maybe cause frustration for another person involved in the social interaction. They may not understand that rolling their eyes is a sign that they've kind of had enough of this conversation because for autistic individuals social cues and missing those social cues comes down to more so not understanding the cue itself but also please keep in mind that if you are an autistic person who masks heavily that's me or was me (laughs) I have been on an unmasking journey for quite some time now, and I am at a place where I really mask much, much, much less of the time. But as a way to protect ourselves, that mask is there because that mask is us looking at other people's behaviors and mirroring those behaviors because we've learned that they get a certain response from others. And that's where that masking can come from. Just one of the ways. There's liking other people's interests as a way of fitting in. If you see that Jeannie really likes that band, then maybe you will automatically like that band too because you think that's what you're supposed to like. So, you know, if you don't know it yourself, if you don't understand the social context yourself, you might do what other people do and you continue to form another layer of that mask. But something else we can form as part of that mask, as part of that protection is hypervigilance where you might notice every social cue. You may still not understand all of them, but you might notice them all. Because if, let's say, you were bullied heavily, like I was, you will start to pick up for your protection the understanding and meaning of different social cues. Because then, if you can pick up on that and you know what that thing means, then you can make sure that You are adapting your behavior so that you can stay safe. That, that was one of the reasons why for the longest time, despite relating in so many other areas, that piece, my own hypervigilance to protect myself from harm, that was the thing that kept me from having a conversation about autism with a professional sooner. And then as soon as I brought up the topic, it was like, oh yeah, you do have mismatched nonverbal and verbal communication. Referring to the first time that I met my therapist, who is such an amazing lady, by the way. So wonderful. The first time I met her, walked into her office, my entire life was blowing up. I was in the middle of a pregnancy loss. I uh, had just been told that uh my then husband wanted a divorce the the whole world was going and yet I still greeted her with a smile on my face my verbal communication is, "Hey, I'm going through a lot of trauma right now." And my nonverbal is saying, "Everything's hunky dory." And it's so funny because that's another thing that for a while I was like, "Oh, you know, it's that it's that flat facial expression. That's what they're talking about there. That you know, some some autistic people can have, you know, that that RBF look where maybe they are really happy, but they're not expressing outwardly that they're really happy." And I was so black and white with my thinking, also autism, um, that I (laughs) didn't even think about the, the fact that, oh yeah, I do the opposite thing too. I smile or laugh when it's not necessarily appropriate to smile or laugh. This is why people didn't take me seriously in a hospital setting because I was supposedly in all this pain. Also, have a super high pain tolerance, another autistic quality. And I'm in all this pain, and yet I am sitting there and being polite, using my manners, smiling, and not screaming in agony when I say that I'm at a nine. And for the longest time, I had no idea what I was doing wrong. I wasn't doing something wrong, but I was doing something that didn't match the expectations that those practitioners had, and that is because I'm autistic. Okay, so clearly I could go on and on about ADHD and autism for hours on end, but we're hitting about that 25-minute mark, guys. So I'm going to end it there. If there's more that you'd like to hear on this subject, I would love, love, love if you guys could share with me at the at gmail.com. Write me up an email. Let me know what else you want to hear. I have some great guests lined up over the next couple of months, so I'm hoping to bring more people on in that capacity. And of course, I have plenty of other things that I can talk with you guys about, but I do love to get feedback from you guys to make sure that I am still communicating in the way that you guys like to hear. I am doing this podcast for the neurodivergent community, so I want to make sure to hear neurodivergent voices saying what they want to hear. So don't be scared. Please reach out. I would love, 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 as I said. To hear what your opinions are, what your thoughts are, what else you want to learn about. Well, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. It has been so great to spend today day with you guys. Don't forget to follow me over on my other social media, all under theadhdlady.org. Just some of them have those little underscores. And again, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you're looking for more assistance with your ADHD or ASD, don't forget to hit up theadhdlady.org for more information. Thanks again for joining me, friends. This is your host, Amanda, signing off.